Our pick six is coming up. But first, it's Andy's turn. A random ranking of music, food, movies, sports, and anything else Andy wants to make a list for. Chime in with your reaction on the Laser or Andy Hall Radio Facebook pages. It's Andy Hall's Pick 6 on Laser 103.3. We are exactly one week away from the 23rd anniversary of Slipknot's debut album being unleashed upon the world. And since I'm on vacation all next week, I won't be around to commemorate the occasion. So, today I figured, hey, six studio albums in total from the fellas. Good opportunity to break down my pick six albums from the pride of the 515. Beginning with number six, point five, the great chapter. But don't let the last place ranking trick you into thinking there will be any amount of disrespect for this one. The band's first since the passing of bassist Paul Gray. The fact that this album even happened is something that we should all be grateful for. Losing a brother like they did was something not many bands can survive. Understandably, the songs on this album are generally a lot more somber than material from previous releases. And though I fully appreciate the headspace they must have been in during the making of this one, I never really connected to any of the songs personally, aside from the overall empathy I felt having known Paul myself and spent a lot of time with him as a friend. Number five, All Hope Is Gone. Again, don't get me wrong, there's plenty to like about the band's fourth studio album, Psychosocial Anyone, Sulfur, Snuff, Dead Memories, but then there were also songs that I didn't connect much with. Following up an album with the amount of growth the band showed as they did on Volume 3 isn't an easy task. And this one, I don't listen to all that much in comparison to their others. Number four, the band's most recent release, We Are Not Your Kind. Admittedly, I wasn't sure what to expect before we got our hands and our ears on All Out Life, which was released as a standalone single the year before this album's release, and wasn't even included on the final track listing which surprised me a bit, considering I actually really liked it and couldn't wait to hear more of what they had been working on. As it is, the only reference to All Out Life is the album's title, taken from lyrics in the song. As for the songs that did make the cut, I was then and still am a big fan of a lot of those songs. It's got a flow to it, and Unsainted, which essentially serves as the opening track, really sets the tone in a big way. Nero Forte, Spiders, and Solway Firth are a few of the other standout tracks that I go to quite a bit, but there really isn't a bad song on this album. Number three, widely regarded as the band's most brutally heavy album, Iowa. And if it weren't for the fact that my top two are practically untouchable, this one probably deserves a higher ranking than three. Released just prior to 9-11, an event that squashed a lot of album cycles, gotta give Slipknot a lot of credit for being able to press on and push through all the uncertainty of that time in our country's history. As for the band, how to follow up one of the most potent debuts in the history of heavy metal was not an easy task. In fact, it damn near led to the band breaking up during the making of Iowa. This was a release that signaled to maggots the world over to expect the unexpected from Slipknot. Don't go in with expectations, because they are clearly marching to the beat of their own drums. Literally. I love every minute of this album. Number two, volume three, The Subliminal Verses. How to follow one of the most brutal albums in the history of the genre? Slipknot showcased a versatility on volume three that nobody could have predicted. Remember, it wasn't long after the release of Iowa that Corey resurrected his other band, Stone Sour, leading to lots of conversation about how song ideas are split between the two bands. Where Stone Sour leans more hard rock up against Slipknot's unique brand of metal, there were certainly indications that perhaps there was at least a bit of 
crossover, considering where they went sonically speaking here. Vermilion and its acoustic counterpart later in the track listing are indicators that the band were open to widening the floodgates a bit to the benefit of the album as a whole. It's a really amazing album. And at number one, without any hesitation or consternation, it's most definitely the self-titled debut, which saw its release on June 29th of 1999, and the world hasn't been the same since. Are you kidding me? First time hearing the sound nine masked dudes in jumpsuits out of Des Moines, Iowa could make is something I will never forget. There was something about these songs. They were catchy as hell, for as brutal and frenetic as the entire album is all the way through, there was a real pop sensibility to the songs themselves, particularly in terms of song structure and specifically the hooks. Credit to Corey Taylor. A lot of the songs were memorably inviting to sing along to, which was crazy considering how insane an onslaught the album is on the whole. If you don't own a copy of Slipknot's self-titled debut album, what are you even doing with your life? Ah, besides listening to me. Thank you. That was Andy Hall's Pick 6. Looking for your thoughts and opinions on the Laser or Andy Hall Radio Facebook pages? Stay tuned. Your Pick 6 is coming at the top of the hour on Laser 103.3.